Hello, lovely people. How are you doing? I hope you're good and I hope everything is going okay. Now, I know I often say I'm excited about my next guest, but oh my goodness, this week I am extra double super excited. Joanna Penn started off her working career in corporate IT. She did really well and worked all over the world, including Australia and New Zealand. But she was always frustrated by the lack of creativity. And after trying different ventures, in 2006, she wrote her first non-fiction book. Joanna decided to publish her own book and she started to share everything she was learning about the publishing industry. She went on to also write fiction. She's a New York Times and USA bestselling author of thrillers under J.F. Penn. She's written more than 30 books. She set up her Creative Pen podcast, which has been downloaded millions of times. And she is one of the most well-respected indie authors in, well, the world. Now, this is all very exciting, but what is really special to me is even though Joanna didn't know this, she has been my unofficial mentor for several years now. I listen to her podcast every week. I've learned so much about publishing my own books, and it was because of something I heard Joanna say, I decided to set up this podcast, my next chapter. So when I got in touch with Joanna to tell her this and to ask if she would like to be a guest, I was really nervous, but She said yes, because that's how supportive Joanna is. Joanna talks about the importance of feeling in control of our work and building our own worlds, how we must just give it a try, explore different avenues. It's never a wasted experience. We also discuss what it's really like to run a scuba diving school in New Zealand and what would have happened if she was on a different side of the room at her university careers day. Most of all, I, along with so many others, am so grateful to Joanna for being generous enough to share everything she learns. I apologise in advance for sounding a bit high-pitched, but I was thrilled to speak with Joanna, and I hope you will love hearing her story too. Hello and welcome to the next chapter by Ellie Barker. The idea behind this podcast is that as I start my next chapter from journalist to indie author, I speak with some incredible people who've already started their next chapter in the hope it might help you with your next chapter, or at the very least, you'll just enjoy the conversation. So here she is, Joanna Penn. Joanna Penn, welcome to the next chapter by Ellie Barker. I am so excited to have you with me. I'm so sorry if I'm high pitched, but honestly, this is a dream for me. So thank you so much for making it come true. Oh, well, I'm excited to be on here, Ellie, and talking to you and your audience. Correct me if I'm wrong. You've written, you've written more than 30 books. You've sold over 600,000 in 162 countries in six languages. You've been a New York Times bestseller. You speak about books and all related matters all over the world. You have your own podcast, which has been downloaded 5.6 million times in 220 countries. You now also have your books and travel podcast. And you're really, I think it's safe to say, you're like a leading expert in the Indian author world. Now, have I missed anything out, Joanna? Because (laughs) I mean, that's quite enough, I would say. Yes. And well, thank you um, for listening to my show and reading my books. But I guess I would add that I started writing in 2006. Yeah. So, and I know we'll talk about this around the chapters, but I think um, when I, th- so 15 years, as we're recording this, it's 15 years. So I think sometimes we hear about people at some a certain point in their journey and we forget that it might have taken a long time. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. You can achieve a lot where, uh, over 15 years. I mean, we all have in our careers. So yes, we'll be talking about the chapters, but I wanted to just remind people it's over that amount of time yeah yeah Yeah. when you put it all in one sentence rather than the 15 years it's taken but still but you can see so you sort of under you sort of got your head round the um publishing world quite a long time ago ahead of all you you kind of almost saw I think what was going to happen and it's so clever and not only that not only did you do it for yourself but you've been teaching people like me and many 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 other people. Um, so that's what I think is so amazing that you've been generous enough to share your knowledge. So again, I thank you. Thank you so much, Joanna. We wouldn't be here today. And and so one of your um, tips that I learned was um, to start up your own podcast. So this is a way of um, your readers potentially getting to know you. you. You describe it as content marketing. So I would never have thought about doing my own podcast if I hadn't heard you say that, which is where I then came up for the idea of this, the next chapter podcast. And you were the first or one of the very first people I ever asked to be on my podcast. So the fact you're here, this is why it's so special to me. So thank you. 
Oh, thank you. I'm glad you went ahead. Yeah, I did. I did. Right. Anyway, it's not about me. So it's about you. So let's start off, Joanna, with your prologue. Now, Joanna, where did I know you live in Bath now? Where did you grow up? Yeah, so I was uh, I grew up around the place, I suppose. I was born in the southwest. We're both in the southwest. Uh, you're in Bristol and I'm in Bath. So we're just down the road. But um, I was born in the southwest. But I went to school in Malawi in Africa oh. for a bit um, before we came back to Bristol. And uh, so I kind of say, I guess I'm from the West Country in England, but we have lived around the place and my mum moved to America. So I've, I travelled quite a lot in my early formative years, which I think informs my books and travel focus these yeah. days. Um, but yeah, I, I, so I now feel like I might ha- be putting down some roots in the West Country of England, but I certainly didn't feel that earlier on in life. So did you change school a lot as you were growing up then at Obviously, if you're moving around, you're obviously going to all different schools. Oh, uh, yeah, I went to a few different schools. and But I think I, I've carried on travelling across my whole life. So the, I often talk about what, what is home, what is the idea of home. And I think this started very early for me and my brother and my, my mum, which was that home is wherever you sleep that night yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and your family. So I guess I, I don't have, it's terrible to say, but I don't have much allegiance to things like school. I, you know, I don't have friends from then. I, I don't really think about it much. In fact, the school I did go to in Bristol, or Redland High School. I'm sure yeah. you know of I it. I do. It's not, yeah, it's not even there anymore. It got no. amalgamated. <laughs> it's, it's, it. Maybe it was a sign, Joanna. Maybe it was a sign. But so, when you were, when you did go to school, what kind of student were you? Were you quite a hardworking student then? Oh yeah, I am a geek. Always been a geek. Uh, carried my mum said I used to carry around books when I was a you know a toddler as opposed to a teddy. So I've always been a book a book person. I'm an introvert, um, so I much prefer just reading. Uh, again, as an introvert, I I didn't have too many friends. You know, I, I like one on one time as opposed to groups. Uh, so all of that, I'm the right personality really to get into writing. But I was always reading. I liked. Um, journaling I've always journaled and yes I always got A's and very upset when I got a B I like studying and that again that's part of my life now I love book research it's a huge part of my process I I just love 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 the fact that now I get to just buy all the books I want (laughs) and spend my time reading (laughs) quite right it's a great excuse because you did because you went on to study at Oxford didn't you is that right you did theology Yes, uh, correct. Although um, a, a smaller fact I don't talk about often is that I actually went to Oxford to do Arabic, wow. having worked out in the Middle East um, charity work, trying to bring Middle East peace between <laughs> between well, Palestinians and Israelis, which, as, as we know, is, is a difficult process. Well, that's quite a big uh, job there, Joanna, quite a yeah, big job. exactly. Well, I, my goal when I was about 15 uh, was to become the UN Secretary General and, and bring Middle East peace. That was what I was going to do wow. with my life. And uh, so I went to Oxford to do Arabic swiftly discovered that I I don't have much of a gift for languages and it was way too hard so I said to them uh well I can't leave because I'd already taken a year out to work out in Israel so uh what else do you have and they said oh well we have theology Uh, and I was like yeah okay great I'll do that (laughs) (gasps) amazing okay and you but you I mean knowing now and what you do now I mean that's that was actually quite really well suited to you wasn't it Yes, and theology. Uh, I'm. I am not a Christian, but I'm very interested in matters of faith and people of faith and the psychology of religion. And and a degree in theology is about history. It's about law. It's about languages. It's about um, ethics and psychology. All those things. So yeah, it, it, I basically got to read books and write things for a, a couple of years. And I really it, it definitely suited me very well. And now comes through in my books because I I am fascinated by the line between the supernatural and religion and faith and science and all of that. So, yes, it, it fuels my writing now. Yeah, I bet it does. And all the history and you you must see as well some of the things that we think today are modern in today's world. But actually, it's been going on and talked about for, you know, for centuries and centuries, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, even it's crazy. The, some of the COVID stuff that's go, going on in the pandemic, uh, are, some of the words people say on social media are exactly the same words that might have been said in the Middle Ages, blaming different religions, different viewpoints, different people. It's like people are people. Yeah. It, it, you know, it doesn't matter what era we live in. People are people. So, yeah, I think the study of, of, of humans, which, you know, as writers, obviously you with your, your books as well, your, your women's fiction, you know, we're writing about people. 
people and you know love's the same death is the same and Yeah. yeah it's interesting to learn about yeah it's fascinating it really is did you like your time in Oxford did you enjoy that Oh, yeah, I loved it. Absolutely. And in fact, Morgan Sierra in my uh, arcane thrillers has her office in Oxford. And a lot of my Oxford um, stories are around places that I love. And I often go back to Oxford. I, I love it. Mm, yeah and funny enough my husband is there today Joanna so it's all ah. fate it's all fate covering a trial but we won't we won't go into too much about that so moving on then to your first chapter so this is where because again I, I, I'm going to keep apologizing for sounding like a stalker but I have been sort of following you for a long time and I know you worked in IT so how I never quite how did you get into IT from doing that Right. So uh, when you go to Oxford or Cambridge or some, you know, some of the those universities, they have what's called the milk round, or they used to have the milk round, where essentially these companies would come in and would pick up loads of graduates, and then we'd be thrown into whatever they wanted. And so uh, I interviewed um, for a company called Accenture, which at the time was Anderson Consulting. It's like a management consulting firm. And I got a job there. And on the first day, there were 400 of us graduates on the first day and the woman in front whoever she was put an arm out like literally she put her arm out and said everyone on the left you are doing SAP which SAP is the software package enterprise software package and I happen to be on the left and (laughs) so essentially as this theology graduate and I'm an arts I'm an art student really you know she was like right you're all so I got sent off to learn programming and then I ended up implementing accounts payable into these corporates and I did that for 13 years now on the one hand it was very weird because you know but they just assume that you can learn anything and I think that's helped me a lot I also think the business training has helped me a lot. I think the ability to engage with technology has helped. So even though it might seem strange, also it paid really well. (laughs) So so essentially I ended up uh, having a good career uh, that... I travelled a lot. I worked all over Europe, went to Australia and New Zealand and, um, yeah, paid the bills for 13 years, essentially. So I will always, always be grateful to Accenture and then I worked for some other companies. But essentially knowing SAP as software helped me fund the next chapters, which mm. uh, obviously we can talk about. We will. Before we go any further, Joanna, I have to ask, what would have happened if you were on the right, on the other side of the room? Where <laughs> would you have ended up? Well, it's funny because they divided them into two other software packages. I think it was Siebel and Cobol, right. neither of which ever were as good as SAP. So I really lucked out by yeah. being on that side of the room. You were on the left. Well done you. Well done you. <laughs> so yeah, so like you say, so then you, so you're working IT, you ended up, and forgive me if I don't have this in the, the right order, you went to Australia but you also went to New Zealand as well didn't you? Yes so let's face it I enjoyed the money and the travel but I was not fulfilled by my job doing accounts payable software and so uh, over and over again I would leave so I would resign I would go traveling and then I would have to go back to pay the bills and so in the year 2000 on my 25th birthday March uh, 2000 I resigned that job and went to Australia backpacking as you do Uh, ended up freelancing software during the Olympics. So I was there during the Olympics. And then I went to New Zealand on the way home to get a job in the foreign office. And and (laughs) I went scuba diving my first weekend in New Zealand and went home with the skipper (gasps) of the boat. I say, Joanna, I say. (laughs) That night and basically ended up getting married, staying in New Zealand, getting divorced. (laughs) What, What, to the skipper? You got married to the skipper? Yes, I married a skipper wow. and a dive instructor. He, he since your um, women's fiction and romance, and many of your listeners, I'm sure, love all that. I yes. can tell you that it is very romantic to marry a skipper is and it? dive instructor. Is it as romantic as you would imagine? Because I, I just, yeah, would imagine it with you being sort of out on the waters. Oh and yes, no cares yes. in the world and. <laughs> Romantic. It was, it was wonderful. It was. And we got married on the beach and it was all just very, very holiday romance. Unfortunately, it's not very practical. No, <laughs> so, it's not. It's not. So it didn't, it didn't last very long. But um, yeah, so I ended up staying in New Zealand uh, for seven years and wow. 
you know, I, when, how old was I? Whatever I was, later 30s, uh, met my now husband who uh, was about to move to Australia. So then I moved back to Australia and now we're in England again and he's here too. Jesus. So wow. it's been a bit of a roundabout thing. But yes. yeah, I, <laughs> I never went into the foreign office. No, no. It seems like nature, you know, fate was keeping you away. It was pushing you. The universe was pushing you to do your books, I think. I think rather I think than saving so the world. But, but I think you're saving many worlds like mine. So it's all worked out. It's all worked out. But so when when you were in when you were living away, was your were your mum and brother were they back in England at that stage as well? Uh, my mum was in America. My right. brother was in Japan, I think. Wow. And basically, for about eleven years, we all lived in between. 2000 and 2011 when I moved back uh, we've all moved around a lot so we, we're just a family who who move a lot basically yeah, it re- yeah. well I, I mean exciting as well but again now which we'll come on to that you do your books and travel I can see I didn't hadn't realized quite how much you know your your upbringing had been like this that, that you really were all traveling all the time so so just, mm. it's just well brilliant. I think it's also I mean even my family so I'm the eldest of five siblings my dad's second marriage um, and of the five of us so my husband is a New Zealander, half Hungarian, uh, Jewish <laughs> chap. And my brother's married to a Nigerian doctor. Wow. And my other brother's married to a Canadian. And um, my niece's father is from the Caribbean. Wow. So, yeah, we've got this totally international yeah. family, which I think also is also reflected in how much we've all travelled and met people. And th- this is my secret mission. I think um, marrying across cultures is what's going to save the world because... <laughs> there you go. So you're still on message, Joanna. I am, completely. <laughs> <laughs> what a Christmas, though. I mean, what a Christmas oh, we yes, all got together. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I remember, you, again, hearing you talk about this. So when you had your, for example, when you did have the scuba diving business, that taught you a lot about having, because you knew you didn't want to do the IT, but it also taught you about, because you said that was very, I remember you saying it was sort of very weather dependent, obviously, as romantic as it sounds, there was things like insurances and that. So it, it was teaching you a little bit more about what you didn't want to do, as well as what you did want to do, wasn't it? Yes. So I think, and I think this is a, a truth about the whole next chapter idea is that you, it doesn't just go first chapter, then next chapter and you're done. It's more like I try something and it fails. I try something and it fails or, and it might not fail because you, you know, it could have worked if we'd have carried on, but yeah, the, our scuba, the scuba diving business I started with that, my first husband, it, it was wrong in so many reasons. Um, one big one being that he didn't want to run a business. <laughs> skipper (laughs) so that didn't work um but even things like um yeah attitude to money i i think you have to have a similar idea about money and i always wanted to make really good money i was never going to be poor um so i i just couldn't make the business model work with scuba diving and in new the new zealand weather where we were the poor nights the the north the weather is very um variable so you couldn't even guarantee that you could go out and right. the price of fuel is is always going up and down all these things so yes it taught me it taught me that i didn't want a physical business mm-hmm. where i had to turn up on a specific day i definitely didn't want to be in customer service <laughs> i do not want to deal with customers i don't want to deal with something where people can die yes. which they you know it's mostly safe but mm-hmm. people do die scuba diving um you know i didn't want to deal with boats and you know just physical assets that need insurance and all of this and so this is a huge thing um, that shaped this business that I run now, which is I run everything from my laptop. I never, I, I don't have to be anywhere on a specific date, a specific time. Mm. And the customer service for books and podcasting is, there practically is none. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's fantastic. And you, you just get nice emails from readers saying, oh, I love your book, uh, etc. So I think it helped me so much to understand the type of business I wanted. I also never wanted to have employees. That's mm. another big thing. Uh, I don't particularly play well with others <laughs> so mm. so you know you by trying things you learn things so I also tried uh, property investment and you know doing up properties also discovered I did not want that has a similar issues and it's physical like a physical asset I also don't like doing up properties <laughs> and also you have to generally have people to look after them and you have to deal with people and I was like you know what this just doesn't suit me so this is I guess a tip for people is to you have to get to know yourself. And sometimes you think you have to be a certain way, but it might not really be you. Mm. And again, I'm grateful to my IT career because whenever anything failed, it just went back to contracting. And that was just fantastic. 
Yeah, you could go back to that and earn some money and think about the next the next chapter. But it's interesting mm. what you say there as well as in general, because, I mean, joking aside, having a scuba diving business is probably, you know, in New Zealand is probably one of those dream things that people here, especially on a dull day in England, think, wow, you know, that just sounds amazing. And, you know, you, you could end up giving it all up to go and do these kind of things. And this is what we learn a lot. I learn with these podcasts. It's so often you've got to try these things to see what works for you and what doesn't because until you try it you don't actually know what really does suit you do you it's only by trying it you think actually I don't want a physical business and I don't want to have to deal with customers even though you might think beforehand oh I'll be fine at that yeah also and I think there is a difficulty in turning what you really love into a business Mm. which might sound odd because I'm a writer but I I really, I used to love scuba diving. And then when it turned into a job and a hard job, you know, carrying tanks around and going out on terrible days and being seasick and all of that, it's completely different to the experience of going scuba diving for fun Mm. when other people help you. And so you you have to choose what you do with your time and what you love. Like, for for example, I, I really love reading and I, reading is yes part of my job but I do it for my pleasure every day as well as my job and I love podcasting but I can do it and be happy at the same time as doing it for a job so it, I think that's what I learned is that don't take something that is a great hobby <laughs> and turn that into a job also the business model is so important the business model for scuba diving is so physical object overhead you know even down to suits you know wetsuits in different sizes and like when you think about the practicalities of a business around whatever you're thinking about you have to consider all of the aspects, not just the romantic, wonderful bits. And look, let's face it, of course, there were wonderful days out there on the ocean. And that's the day I fell in love with the skipper. You know, it were, yeah. there were whales and dolphins and it was sunny and it was amazing. And, and yeah, it's wonderful in many ways, but that's not every day. No, that bit you described, Joanna, that will be in my book. You know, that I'll put that in my book, but I probably won't put the reality. You won't put in. the other bit. No, I'll skip that bit. Skip that bit. So, um, so you, so you went back to Australia, and as I understand it, so basically you were you had a contract by this stage back in IT, and I think I read that you described it, which I think is a really good way of describing it, as a golden handcuff. Is that right? A golden handcuff situation where. You actually, so you were living, you had a lovely house, you had investment property, you were, you know, you had all the, you had all the trappings. You were on the outside world. You'd made it. You'd made it, Joanna. You know, you really were. But still, you, it just wasn't right. You knew it wasn't right. And then you were, and again, forgive me if I have this in the wrong order, you're, you were let go of your from your contract and it, I'm not sure if that have I got that right is that is this at the same time because then you it came into your mind and this is I I really um this really resonates with me a lot and your work it always has that basically you realize you didn't you never wanted you know one person be in charge or one company be in charge of your career and you wanted to take control of your own career uh, yeah, so I uh, moved back to Australia with Jonathan, my uh, then boyfriend, <laughs> who later became a husband. And yeah, I was contracting. And then the global financial crisis hit, which, uh, you know, we all remember as the last time we all had this situation and the whole world falls apart. And yeah, they laid off 400 of us in one day. Now, as a contractor, you don't have much choice anyway, but it was like they just gave out 400 bits of paper to us all and said like bye bye uh, and and that was the day I went oh goodness that you know it's just disappeared the money's just disappeared just like that and because of the global financial crisis it wasn't like oh I can just walk into another contract and they because they let everyone go at the same time it was a difficult situation so I did actually get another job within a couple of weeks but it was at the time it was as you say it was a shock I did mm. not have a choice and it was that one stream of income uh, and that was I was reading a lot of books about money at the time trying to kind of sort out money and investments and all of that and I had uh, I was writing um, I was researching this sort of career change book and I thought I was going to go the traditional publishing route and, and all of that route I should say we say route I talked to too many Americans ah, <laughs> you say uh, but, but yeah so I I 
essentially I was like, right, I have to do something around this multiple streams of income idea. I need to change my career because I'm just, this is all so pointless. Because with IT, the reality is that everything you do gets overwritten by the next software update. So it just feels pointless. You just get the money and then you spend the money and that's it. So I was like, I want to measure my life by what I create. That's what I've been saying for over a decade now. And Mm. so, yeah, so it all kind of came together at the same time. I was also in my mid thirties, which I think is an age where you start questioning the decisions (laughs) you might have made earlier on. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, I, I started writing and learning about stuff. Now, because I come from a business you know I've learned about business and I'd learned about money that's when I started looking at the publishing industry and I just could not see a valid business model that would make me the money that I was used to so the golden handcuffs thing is that the the money was so good that it was very hard to leave (laughs) so it's a very uh and I'm a privileged situation to be in but equally I was miserable so (laughs) it's kind of crazy we did actually sell everything and completely downsize get rid of all our debt you know in order for me to pursue what I wanted yeah and did you downsize in Australia is that when you moved over to England Yes, yeah, so we moved back to England uh, for lots of reasons, but one of them was uh, in order to to downsize, and also because I would because I'd started writing at the time. We moved back in 2011, so I'd written by 2011. I'd written two novels, and what I realised about my fiction is that I. I'm a European. I really realise I'm a European. And yes, I'm English, but I still think of myself as European. <laughs> and I was like, Do you know, all everything I want to write is set in Europe, the Middle East. Uh, I, I've expanded. I have done a book in New Zealand. I've done, you know, stuff in America. But it's like I'm inspired by Europe. And I realised that I needed to come back to Europe in order to inspire the next chapter of my life. Um, history and architecture and travel is very difficult <laughs> in Australia and New Zealand, a very long way from anywhere. And, you know, so in that sense, coming back to home, we talked about the beginning, I, I needed to come home. And luckily, my husband, his mum was English, is English. And so he could get a visa and everything. And um, so and he's definitely very English, more English than an Englishman. (laughs) Is he? Is he? Even though he, he wasn't born here, he was always in New Zealand. Yes, but he loves it. He he just loves it here. Oh, well, that's lovely. It's lovely to hear, especially somebody from New Zealand. That is lovely to hear. But so going back, so we are obviously now into the next chapter. Um, you So you started researching your first book in 2006. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Well, I was, I was just trying to, I was reading a lot of Tony Robbins and I was Mm. like, well, I could write a career change book. And in the process of writing, studying career change, I could figure out how to change my own career. And then it turned into a book, basically. But this is amazing because I've only learned this recently because you never set out to write fiction. You did set out, you didn't ever think that you would be writing fiction. You thought you really were going to be like Tony Robbins. Yes, uh, I think partly because the business model for nonfiction is much more understood. And also I, so I understood I could be a speaker and I trained with the National Speakers Association. And yes, so following the Tony Robbins model, uh, although I'm not his energy at all, but it's like um, you can write books and a lot of the speakers self-publish. They've been self-publishing for years because they sell books at the back of the room. They make money on books. So I was listening to all these speakers who were making money through speaking fees, through um, consulting, through uh, all of this stuff. So I was like, well, I can do that model. I, I I know I can do those things. So I started running my own workshops and that kind of thing, started getting paid as a speaker. And yeah, as you say, I didn't think I could ever write fiction. I, I read a lot of fiction, but I was never going to write it. And here's how podcasting can change your life. It was on a podcast uh, in 2009 and a podcast guest told me that I had a block around fiction that perhaps I was imposing judgment upon myself and he was right because going to Oxford and my mum was an English teacher and I thought the only book you were allowed to write was a sort of Booker Prize winning Pulitzer Mm -hmm. Prize winning literary fiction novel and I love reading thrillers and dark fantasy and horror and all this stuff so when he challenged me on that I was like okay well I guess I'll give it a go and I did NaNoWriMo 
org, uh, people, National Novel Writing Month for people who don't know. And I wrote about 20,000 words in the month, of which about 5,000 turned into uh, Stone of Fire, my first novel, about 14, 15 months later, after I'd gone through a lot more learning. <laughs> oh my goodness me. I mean, so look, this is, you're entering in, in, honestly, I get like goosebumps about all of this because it's, it just really is. So there's so much to talk about here. So let's let's go just first of all on the indie author side of things. So before, because obviously people do talk to me about and they know I'm sort of publishing my own books and they know and some of my closest friends, you know, I've been writing books for 11 years, um, getting constantly rejected. Um, and but you, you, I don't think you actually did that. You saw straight away really how slow the traditional publishing industry is. And that's no criticism. It's just the way, you know, it's just, the way that it all works so you you did um you worked out and you did learn how to publish your own book and then what I think is again brilliant here is that you sort of thought as so many people do think and especially as somebody that works in tv I know this that um you know get on tv get the publicity and it's gonna the sales are gonna rocket and you did that you went on Australian television and it didn't make any difference I mean (laughs) who knew don't tell my bosses Joanna (laughs) Well, it is funny. And all of, again, I feel very lucky to have been doing all of this at the time that internet marketing started to become a thing. Because as you say, I was on Australian national TV. I was in all the national papers. People might remember this. There was a competition around that time, 2008, about the dream job, which was on this island off the coast of Queensland. And it was like this competition to get people over to Australia. And they, I was interviewed with the sort of, if you don't get the dream job on the island, you could change your career in other ways. And here's Joanna Penn to talk about it. And so, yeah, as you say, I, I did all of that, got in the papers and, and uh, nothing happened. And so what I, but that drove me again, when you learn, when you learn a lesson, it should drive you into something else. So I went, okay, this is broken. Uh, so how do I fix this? And then I started learning about blogging, podcasting. So the failure of traditional media for me was in 2008. And I started my YouTube channel soon after. And I started my podcast in March 2009, which was very, very early Mm. in the podcasting space. Um, And I guess what I learned from that, as well as with self-publishing, is that you can do all this stuff yourself. We have no idea who is listening to this, to be honest. We don't know. And it's the same in traditional media, right? But what we do know is the people listening to this are interested in career change, are interested potentially in writing for this particular episode. They choose themselves and they they sort of self-categorise themselves. And so that means that when we do targeted media like our own podcast we can reach people and so I think it's very very empowering to take control of your own publishing as you know and your own marketing because you can reach people in a really in a way that suits your personality it just might not be the way that other people tell you it should be done Mm. and that is just changing more and more and more and 2008 was yes the early days it was really the iphone launched in 2007 the international kindle kind of started 2009 2010 and so what we're we're a decade later now into digital publishing, online marketing, all of these things are pretty mature business models. But at the time, I could kind of see that this was a good way to go. And I was not going to sit around waiting for some TV journalist to call me. Quite right. (laughs) Or some publisher. And this is an energy thing as well, right? If like you talked about being rejected, I'm not, I'm just not willing to do that. I mm. mean, it, it, the, the the language around it is very disempowering. Whereas if you choose yourself, if you pick yourself, if mm. you put yourself out there, you can drive your own success. And that is much more empowering. And I, I much prefer empowering over disempowering. <laughs> yeah, quite, I, I quite agree. I quite agree. So this is it. So when when I started listening to you, um, and you and you use these words, and obviously, I, I mean, I've worked, um, and don't get me wrong, you know, I love I love my day job. I've worked for the um, ITV for BBC for 25 years now. So I've worked for big corporate companies. Um, And there I was trying to get a book deal with 
you know, five big publishing houses. And so naively as everyone everyone is. Um, and you think, I've written those 100,000 words and of course I'm going to get a book deal and it just so doesn't work like that. But actually, <clears throat> what I didn't realise, one of the reasons I wanted to write was to, to have a bit of control in my life anyway, you know, that I could do my own stories, tell my own stories, create my own stories. And then to be have to wait for permission for somebody else to like it enough and then go through the two years it might take for it to actually be sold this actually that actually wasn't what I was doing I what I wanted to do I wanted to create my stories and create and find my readers so this is where it's so empowering for me your work because I realized this is what yes that's what I want to do I want to do that and then and also what what I love as well is that you're so honest about it and so even even like now you know I've just I've published my second book I'm starting my rewriting my third book um but I'm right there I don't think I'm not sure if you would call it the messy middle yet but um you know it's it's tough and as you always say and I, I listen to your podcast every Monday morning to get me into the right frame of mind but as you always say it's it's a marathon and and if you're doing something you love that's no problem. That's absolutely no problem. And I I do love it, the fact I've carried on for this long, you know, so far. But what I, I love is you're so honest. So 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 you like you say, you started researching your book in 2006. 2008, you published your book. 2009, you started your podcast. 2011, that was your first fiction novel. It wasn't until later on in 2011 that you actually left your day job you as you say you had your blog you had your book scales you had your speaking and you downsized so that was five years creating this new world that you then stepped into Mm, yes and a little tip for people so what I believe you have to separate your time into creative time and then the rest of it time so basically before work I would get up at like 5am much easier in Australia uh, (laughs) because of the the birds and the sun and I would write my books in the morning and then in the evening I'd come home I'd do podcast interviews I would learn you know I had to learn all this I have a degree Mm. in theology for goodness sake I I didn't know how to build a website or do a podcast or or any of the skills that you need to do this um so I learned that in the evening so it's sort of I I, yes as you're right I did it on the side but do you know there hasn't been a moment there really hasn't been a moment I absolutely love this career because there's always something new to Mm. learn and you understand I mean when you write a book it's not I don't believe it does get easier what gets easier is the knowledge that you can do it so I know I can write a book Mm. but uh, every book has its own challenges around the creative side and, and all of that type of thing. But it's, I don't know, but there, there's, I will do this until such point as I am not as interested as I am now. Like my podcast, I thought about giving up, you know, I'm on like nearly episode 600 at this point. Wow. Over like 12 years or whatever it is. And, and it, I still love it because I'm still learning from people. And that's what keeps me going uh, as a writer and a podcaster, I think. So, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a wonderful career. As you said about the empowerment, I think that there is a personality type who does like being an independent author. And that is someone who does want to take some control not knocking traditional publishing at all. I have some traditional deals for foreign language rights and I would definitely consider a traditional deal for a potential project if the contract was right. But again, it's about empowering yourself around understanding contracts, around thinking about, as you say, you're basically working with a big company or working for a big company and you become a cog in a wheel. Whereas when you're an indie author, the pros and cons of being the only wheel... (laughs) (laughs) it's difficult but no I I do I do love it yeah well you can tell you can tell and also I mean going back to with your podcast I remember you saying you set that up because also you wanted to get to know other authors and this was a way of you know so so actually like you said you were actually it was through your podcast you started writing fiction so you're Mm. learning from your podcast and I know from listening to it you're learning I know you're doing lots about AI at the moment and it's you're learning all the time so that's it's benefiting you as well, isn't it? It's yes, it's helping people, but I think if you can get the two, where you you know you you're doing it with a purpose, but you're actually sort of enjoying it and learning yourself, then that's probably the sweet spot there, isn't it? If you can find something like that. 
Yes, and look, to be honest, uh, I know a lot, I get a lot of emails from my listeners who say they've given, you know, because when you become a writer, let's say, say you're writing fiction like you or a particular type of fiction, you learn the skills you need to write that. So at the beginning, you might listen to a lot of podcasts around how do you write characters mm. or how do you write plot or how do you edit? And then you're writing your own books and you stop listening to those things because you know that. But what I've tried to do is just keep talking about the things I'm learning. So as you mentioned, I, I've got a lot of episodes on AI or things I, I ask people I want to talk to on my show and that really helps I think keep it fresh mm. for other people too and you can tell I mean we know the power of voice right because we're in media and it, people can tell if you're bored or yeah. that you're not interested and then they'll stop listening yeah it's true. <laughs> and they'll stop reading as well like the only reason I'm still writing the books I do is because each time I learn something new and it, it's how I I only figure out what I know by writing a book. So I think as long as that continues, I'll also continue writing. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And also the other thing I will just bring in here as well, because this has been really important to me. It's the word I find quite hard to talk about, Joanna, and people will be listening to this and shouting, but money, I find it so hard to talk about money. And, and you know, uh, people will say, like, are you going to earn money off your books? And do you earn any money? And I go, I go bright red. Um, but but you, you talk really honestly. You each year, you talk about, because this is your whole point, that, and if somebody's listening to this and they are thinking about being an author and you hear there's all these stories that authors never earn any money, the truth is indie authors can earn an awful lot of money, can't they? They can earn so much more money, which, as you say, sometimes these figures around authors, they don't take into account the indie authors. It's just more oh. the traditional side of it. And then, I know, that's so annoying. Ah, <laughs> oh, and it's like, I see people, I mean, as like, you know, as you've done, you know, I've, I've sort of found people and I've listened to their stories and I follow them. And my goodness, you know, and like yourself and you, like you say, yeah, you've since 2015, you've been talking about, you know, you started to make six figures a year from your writing. You know, these are not silly sums. They're not, they're, you know, amazing sums. And I love this, the, the fact that you talk really honestly about it and how that, yes, if somebody asks you for your time and you do go and speak, you learn, you have to say, well, actually, yes, and this is my fee, you know, not always if it's perhaps for a charity but you're very good at because you're as you say you're you're more introverted and in many ways I am as well even though I do the job I do as a journalist I think I, I find it quite hard putting myself out there um and so this is what I found so helpful because you're really honest because let's face it we do all need to earn a living as well Yes. And I should say, I mean, I, I do have a book on this, How to Make a Living with Your Writing. Uh, I think which... I've got it just here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's in its third edition as, as we record this. And the reason being is because things change. And in fact, I'm learning a lot about blockchain and NFTs at the moment. And that when I write another edition of that book, I will have done blockchain stuff too, because the business models are changing right. for writers as well as other creators. But it, as you said, I mean, we should note that some traditionally published authors also make a lot of money. And there are also authors, both indie and trad, who make no money at all. So it's not a guaranteed either way. But there are lots of things you can do to make more money. Um, what I would also do is say that and um, for you and your listeners, if you're interested, I've got a list of money books at thecreativepen.com forward slash money books. Because one of the big issues for us with money is because of our upbringing, because of the way we've been socialised. I mean, we're both English this is a big problem. Americans are much, uh, much happier talking about money and going, I want to be rich. Whereas we're like, oh, no, that's a bit naughty. Mm. <laughs> you can't really say that. No. Uh, <laughs> so I think that's really important. So addressing our money issues is important. But then also, as you say, the problem with writing and traditional publishing, and again, I wonder if it's a British thing, is because of the veil um, that there is over the whole process, or it's kind of magic. It's seen as sort of magic that this book appears and people make money or they don't. Whereas actually, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors that goes on. Whereas I guess the indie way, it's much more obvious because you sell a book and you make between 70 to 90%, depending on the various ways you publish. And it is, I think it's a factor of how many books you write and how many people you reach. And so there is... It's not, there isn't a formula, although, as you mentioned, James Blatch, <laughs> their company is self-publishing formula. Formula, yeah. But, yeah, it is. There is definitely, if you write books in genres that people want to buy and you reach readers, you are going to make money. And 
as a businesswoman, like we talked about from the beginning, I was I would never have left my job if I thought I would be a poor author. That was not going to happen. I would have kept the job and done it on the side. But as it was, as you mentioned, so I think it was 2015, I started making uh, multi six figures, basically. That's amazing. So, and and this is the difference. This is a fundamental difference between a day job, because on a day job, you make the same amount of money every month, whatever, however hard you work, because that's your salary and you'll pay. For, and there's no and the only way to get more money is by getting a raise or whatever. Whereas with um, scalable work. So I consider being an author scalable. I write the book and I can sell it for the rest of my life and 70 years after I die. And uh, if I reach more readers, I'll make more money if I put it in other formats, I make more money. So I'm creating intellectual property assets Mm. instead of selling my time. And that was another one of my fundamental principles of my career is, okay, I am not going to sell my time anymore. I'm going to create intellectual property assets and license them and reach readers. And yay, that's fantastic. So what it means is your income has these levers that you can pull. So for example, when the pandemic hit, like remember March, April 2020, and it was very bleak. And I sent out an email, I was quite worried, like we all were, I sent out an email with a sale direct buy ebooks and audiobooks directly from me 50% off and I made several thousand pounds that ended up in my bank account that day and I just felt so much better that Mm. I was in control of making money like that Mm. and that's obviously I've got books and I've built up an email list but all of these things can be done so yeah it's not magic it's it is about work it's about work that you love uh which I think and we all want to work I think it's not like we want to sit around and watch tv right we want to do work we love and Mm. making an income doing what you love is is a bonus (laughs) oh my god well I mean it is I just think it's yeah, it's the magic, you know, it can, when it, like you say, even when there's all these disasters going on in the world, when you've got something you love and then you can feel in control, that's that's really special. I think that's really, mm. really special. So, I mean, speaking of special, I mean, your husband, I know he's gone, he doesn't anymore, but he came to work for you as well, didn't he? I mean, it, it really was a whole lifestyle for you both. Well, and here's a little tip for people. Uh, You might want your spouse to work with you because you think they'll just take on all the jobs you don't want to do. But then you discover that they actually have their own plans for their life. Damn it. So I've learned now from trying trying to work with two husbands. Luckily, my second husband was like my current husband. He still is. He's not in the book yet. Yeah, Jonathan, he basically said, now I'm getting, I'm going back to, he's a statistician in the pharmaceutical industry, which let's face it, they could use them um, right now. And and so, yes, he did work with me for a couple of years, but we both have very different interests, you know, and I think at the end of the day, this is my business. I I am a solopreneur, to be honest. I, I have a lot of freelancers who work for me, mm. but I really, I'm a CEO type of character. Yeah. <laughs> brilliant but that's again you've learned that and you're honest about it and then you work in that way which again that's something we don't a lot of us are unhappy because we're not working in the way that we really should be working I think uh, you're totally right. And uh, I did actually write a book called The Healthy Writer a while back with a doctor, co-written with a doctor. And in the process of writing that, I talked about how I used to have migraines all the time. I mm. was sick with migraines. I was popping pills every day. And it turned, I mean, it's crazy to think now, but I, that um, 400 people in an open plan office as an introvert, that amount of stimulation was way, way too much. So yeah. that was a kind of early lesson in know yourself and find a working situation that really works for you. Mm. And you have to, we have to say no to ourselves a lot. We have to say, do you know what? That's not good for me. And it might be good for someone else, but it might not work for you. And this is something is perhaps takes a lifetime for us to learn, mm. but kind of honing into those things and leaning in. Also, let's talk about podcasting for you for example um you and I both love podcasting but for a lot of people they don't want to do that so Mm. they're not going to but I would say give it a try Mm. and see what happens I Mm. personally I don't really like Facebook for example so I'm not gonna you're not gonna get me on Facebook live video or chat I don't chat (laughs) I'm not a chatter like you'd wonder why I'm not a chatter uh so I'm I'm like okay well I, I don't do social media 
I do podcasting. I also mm. don't really do video anymore. So it's like, okay, I don't do that. That's fine. What mm. else can I do? Mm. Or, you know, I love writing books. So I'll write another book. Mm. <laughs> I love the way that every subject you just like, okay, I'm going to write a book about that. And then you go, it's brilliant and it's helping something. Before we will move on to the next part, but I will just ask you, and again, look, I'm doing a little bit myself here because this is something I've, I I mean, and it's because I've been reading your book, How to Market a Book, um, and I've just recently started a blog. But you you said that blogging, and this is something, you know, everyone listening who, whatever they may do, can apply this. You say blogging changed your life. Yeah, I mean, I think because I'd spent a long time in business writing, what blogging can help you do is change your voice, is find your voice. Now, the difference is you've already written two novels, I think, writing the third novel, right? And now you're blogging. So you've already found a relaxed voice. Also, because you've been in TV, you understand what voice means. Yes. I was in an, a technical, you know, role and voice, I, everything I wrote was passive voice, <laughs> third yeah. person, business language. But what blogging helped me see was that people want your voice. And mm. podcasting has also shown, although if, you, if you've listened to any of my early podcasts, I didn't ever share anything about me. No. Whereas you're doing the right thing here, which is weaving in your own situation and your own life into an interview I would literally not say anything about myself for about five years and then (laughs) someone emailed me and said hey uh, we'd quite like to hear more about you in your podcast (laughs) so now I do this intro and I talk about my own journey every week you know and um, but this is the thing I think blogging at the time in 2008 when I started the blog on the creativepen.com just helped me relax into my voice it also helped me find an audience now I do think the world is very different now in 2021 uh, I've stopped blogging but every podcast I do has a transcript which acts as a blog post with all my links and all my um, and also for SEO search engine optimization all of that kind of stuff so there are ways you can use blog posts differently now Um, but yes it really helped me find my voice and and that also helps with fiction yeah, it really does. But going back to what you said there, I mean, it does make me laugh. It does make me smile. And it, I think it's brilliant. You said on your first ever podcast, and again, bearing in mind, this is 2009. But, you, you know, we were talking about this before we started recording. It wasn't so daunting, the idea to me, because I, I have been working in broadcast journalism. But you did it and you recorded your landline is it on the speakerphone? That's how you did it. You yeah. were going, I mean, that's brilliant. I love well, that. This was this was really. I don't even know if Skype Skype was available then, or or if it was a thing. Whereas no, what I I actually did. You're right. I phoned someone up on a landline, put it on speakerphone, and held a recording device like next to the phone. And that that podcast is still up. The I very love that. first one. It's still there. But I, I don't. I I just cringe. And um, also, my YouTube channel is hilarious from 2008. It's like oh my goodness. But I've left them all there. You yeah, know, I've left. Them there yeah well that's the whole book because that applies to so whether someone wants to do books or they want to do interiors or fashion it's just food for thought isn't it because they could start a little blog they could start a podcast and it's not because oh you know look ellie she does it because she works at itv no now you can but it and there's things if you looked at what i'm doing now joanna you would absolutely cringe and think why is she doing that and you can you'd be able to see the mistakes i'm making but you have to make the mistakes to be able to Mm. get to the level that you have have. And that applies to any industry, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. And and I think this is the other thing about writing. Okay, so you've done 25 years in, in media, and I had 13 years in IT. You know how much you're worth at that point. Like mm. if someone just comes in on day one, or year, even year one, or year three. So how much are people worth in an industry when they've mm. got one year's experience or three years experience? You only really take people seriously after yeah. and they get decent money after maybe seven years and a decade after a decade in an industry, you're you know, you're worth a bit more money. So that's the thing with writing books too. And I'd say to encourage you also is, you know, how long things might take, but actually that's a good thing. As you say, you learn your things along the way. And what's nice about the world now is we can share what we're doing along the way Mm. and we make mistakes. And if most people love to hear other people's mistakes. Yeah, Yeah. well, (laughs) they hear it a lot on here and they're and and my show yeah yeah well I learn I'm like thank goodness Joanna did that I feel better now I feel I like and I like it when you do your chats with Orna Ross as well I listen and I think because she's an established very established as well and I think she was like a mentor to you so when I hear still she's very wise oh I love it I'm listening to it anyway I won't go on again I'm going back to my stalker 
always. Um, so to move on back to you, Joanna, to be continued. Now, we haven't talked too much because obviously you do have your books and travel podcast as well. Um, but presumably, is this kind of the route you want to sort of just carry on? I know you're going to do a course on AI. And I think I've heard you talk about more that you would like to concentrate a little bit more on your fiction. But what, what else would you like to carry on doing now? Yeah, well, this is this becomes the problem. It becomes I want to do everything, and so yes. So I think the books and travel podcast I started because all my books are based on my travels. All my fiction is based on my travels, and I wanted to start a content marketing angle, a podcast that would appeal to my potential fiction readers. And then what's happened, and also I read a lot of travel memoir and all of that. And so I've started writing travel memoir. So that is a kind of, it might be even another brand. I say I'm Joe Francis Penn on that podcast, or as I'm Joanna Penn on my Creative Femme podcast. So there's definitely some, I have three travel memoirs that I'm hoping to write, so like shorter ones in the next year or so. Then in terms of the tech side, yes, I'm really looking at the next step around um, at sort of the AI assisted author, NFTs, blockchain, like uh, where we are now, we're about to move into the next phase of business models around distributed technology. And that's very exciting to me. I think in the same way as I got excited about self-publishing and podcasting 15 years ago, uh, this is the next phase. Right. So, and then things like metaverse, VR, AR, all of that. So I, but what's great about being an author, of course, remember, we own and control our intellectual property rights. Mm. So whatever happens with the new technology, I can take advantage of those situations. So I'm, I think I, I have a bit of a reporter in me, like you, mm-hmm. I like to report on what's happening yeah. in the industry and I, I love that uh, and then of course with fiction I, I have um, yeah no plans to stop writing fiction either so <laughs> my main challenge is doing everything that yeah. I want to do <laughs> and, and keeping up your travel as well now because I know that's so important to you now the world is opening up a little bit more but obviously you want to because because we do this as well don't we for for a work life you know you need it mm. there needs to be a balance as well doesn't there yeah well the, the pandemic certainly um yeah, put a bit of a spanner in everybody's works, but it, it meant that I had to change my angle and that the travel memoirs are coming because I've ended up doing these longer walks, these sort of multi-day walks. Mm. Um, so I just came back from the Cuthbert's Way in Northumberland and that's going to be another little book, you know, walking the St Cuthbert's Way solo. So it's about solo walking as a as a woman, I like get a middle-aged woman. <laughs> and I think, again, it's always about challenge. And the challenge, I as, as we said, I know how to write a book, uh, what I don't haven't done yet is write a travel memoir so that's Mm. a new genre for me it's a new way of doing things I'm doing more short stories I'm co-writing with AI or however you want to call it I'm doing things that are expanding my creative side and also you know because I do make good money and so I want to do things that are more uh yeah creatively challenging at at this point I have no intention of giving up my podcasts Uh, you know so I I just like what I do yeah well that's just uh, and you can hear it you can hear it and you, the fact you've been doing it for such a while and you feel so passionate. I mean, even your mum now writes books, doesn't she? That You know, this is spread and it's sort of contagious. You've got everyone around you, you know, teaching uh, well, them what to do. Well, you know, my, my, dad, my dad wrote one and then stopped. My mum wrote five there and has go. now stopped. Okay. Well, that's amazing though. Did, was it romance she wrote? Yeah, so my mum wrote five sweet romances as Penny Appleton and yeah. two of them are senior romances. So right. um, love second time around is like, um, you know, people who've, who are in their senior years finding love again and uh so I really enjoyed helping my mum but uh everyone's got a book or two in them so Mm. she has five and she might write again but I I would say you know to you as well as people listening five books is a good number to figure out if you really want to do this Mm. because after five I feel like five books by the time you've done five, you get to know your voice, you get mm. to know your preferences, you get to know your process. Uh, I certainly felt that my fifth novel, Desecration, was the one where I found my voice. It's the one that means a lot to me because mm. I discovered in that book a lot of the things that make me tick. Um, it's very dark. <laughs> People are interested. But um, I, these things are important. So, yeah, I'm really 
I guess I'm looking forward to just continuing to expand. And again, after the pandemic, I feel like we've had this time of contraction. Mm. And I know the pandemic's not over as we record this, but I I hope that we'll have more time of expansion Mm. in the next few years instead of contraction. Yeah, absolutely. Before we move on, I I should just touch as well. When you your the story of how you got your New York Times bestselling, um, that was with a was it with a box set or with your Arcane series? But that that came five years after you wrote it. didn't it? Yeah, so that was 2014. It, this, so what's people might, again, people might not know, they change the rules on bestseller list all the time. <laughs> uh, but this was before they changed the rules on the New York Times list. So what happened was 12 authors, me included, uh, mostly American authors, I think it was two of us British authors, and we made a box set. And this was before uh, multi ebook box sets were common. And we sold, what do you say, sold like 150,000 copies and hit the New York Times for two weeks and the USA Today list for like six weeks or something. Like longer, and that was then they changed the rules right. <laughs> to stop people doing that. <laughs> but yes, it was with a book I'd already had out, and then I hit the that was with twelve people, and then I hit the USA Today list on my own uh, a few years after that, and again with um, with books that had been out for a while. But That's yeah, amazing. doing box sets if people don't know it's when you put three books in the same file and sell them as a, as a box set basically. Mm-hmm. Mm, but that's amazing. And again, something you couldn't do in necessarily in a traditional world, because you own all your rights, you can do all these different things with these books that you've still got, which is, that's the, the beauty of it all, isn't it? Yes. And if people are looking for a deal, I would say the main thing to do is understand a bit about contract clauses and, you know, don't just sign a contract because you're grateful that someone's interested oh, in you. <laughs> I would have done that, Joanna. When I hear you now speak, if I'd be, I would have signed anything. I would have given up my house. I'd be like, yeah, anything. Somebody wants me. Yeah, I would have done. I would have given away the dog, bless her. But anyway, no, I wouldn't really. I wouldn't. I just wouldn't have read the small print. But um, anyway, so moving on, acknowledgements. Who would you like to thank who's helped you along the way? Oh, goodness. Uh, What's interesting, the third edition of How to Make a Living with Your Writing, probably in, in, I dedicated that to Yara Starak, who I learned blogging from, Orna Ross, who you've mentioned, who teaches me lots all the time. In fact, we're going out for our Christmas dinner tomorrow. Oh, how lovely. (laughs) I love that. And then also um, Christine Catherine Rush and Dean Wesley Smith, who are uh, American. uh, They're in their 60s and 70s and they are just fantastic. And as you said, it's about finding virtual mentors who you look at and say, do you know what? I can do that. Mm. I can see that I can do that. They're ahead of me on the journey and I can learn from them. And so Dean and Chris, I read all their nonfiction books. I've been out to their events in America and they are they've. They've done everything in traditional publishing. You know, they've done the ghostwriting, the movie deals. the And then they went hardcore indie a few years back and, have, you know, just write incredible, incredible books incredibly fast. And so, yeah, those people I would thank. And also my listeners on my show, and my patrons, uh, of which I think you are one. I am. I am indeed. <laughs> thank you very much. You're and welcome. This, this is the other thing. Business, the, we haven't got time to go into it all, but the business models of being an independent creator now have changed so much. Mm. And, you know, like, you know, people can listen to my podcast for free and some people are happy to pay a bit extra, a couple of pounds or dollars or whatever a month in order to support me to continue in the in my role basically Mm, mm. as a podcaster and as a podcaster it means so much to me and every month I'm like wow these people want me to continue doing this so that's awesome I'll I'll carry on yeah and it's it takes a while but you will attract an audience Mm. if you keep doing it and again that having an amount of time in mind is important yeah because if you if you think it's going to happen in year one or book one yeah you will be disappointed. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's so off-putting. I know for some, it's so daunting. You think, God, I don't want to start this because people think I'm a fool because I've only got one follower. Um, But it's all part of it, isn't it? And don't worry, I'm not going to find out where you're going for lunch with all the Ross and turn up like a stalker. (laughs) (laughs) I promise. I just like peer at the window. Well, actually, you say that. It's so funny. We were out um, in Soho um, having definitely a few drinks. We were on the espresso martinis along with another podcaster friend, Sasha Black. And no one ever recognises us at all. And then this woman kind of went past the window and she recognised, she's like, you're Joanna Penn. Yeah. You're Sasha, you're Sasha Black. And we were both quite drunk. Yeah. And we were like, oh my goodness, why did someone find us today? It was yeah. so funny. <laughs> and you're diddly. I'd be there, Joanna. I'd be st- 
standing at the window. So finally, your tips and advice. Okay, so I mean, obviously, as we've said, everything that we've been talking about, you can relate to so many different professions because it's it's finding that passion and then doing everything you can to build your market, your customers, your audience. If someone's listening to this and thinking, God, you know, I'm listening to Joanna, the idea of having control over my life. I'm in that job. I'm really fed up. But how do I do it? What do I do? Where do I start? What would you say to them? Uh, So I really think you have to just start setting aside some time. So as I said, for me, it was an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening. And Netflix wasn't around back then. (laughs) But (laughs) certainly you need to find time uh, to dedicate to whatever it is you're going to try with the understanding that you might not go that way. Um, You know, like property investment, I spent a good two years learning about a lot of stuff around property, which is completely useless to me. But at least I learned I didn't want to do that. So you have to say, okay, I'm going to set aside this time and that time I'm going to give it a go so your blog for example is you setting aside a bit of time you might decide not to go ahead with that Mm. um you know eventually or or whatever you might uh, so yeah that is really my number one tip you have to find the time and hopefully on your own um yes go to events and things like that but you need to experiment with what you're doing and sure you can listen to podcasts listen to us you know get the books whatever but then you also if you want to be a writer you actually have to write (laughs) this is a shocker yeah it's a shocker but you do (laughs) you do um the other thing I guess is you yeah so find the time and then yeah you do have to start doing it Mm. and you put yourself out there a little bit and that might be scary but yeah, you have to start doing things for free mm. and eventually you might get paid for them. But it's like writing that first book or being a podcaster or blogging or whatever, any of these things or changing career into some of the other things that the people you've had on this show have done. You have to you have to start at the bottom. And that mm. is scary, especially if you have a secure career. But look, I think we've all learned with the pandemic that life really is very short. Mm. So you, if there's an urging inside you, then now's the time to act on that urging. Mm. Joanna Penn, they say never meet your idols, but I have, and you have not disappointed. Thank you so much for being such an amazing guest on the next chapter by Ellie Barker. Oh, thanks for having me, Ellie. So there you are. Now, can you see why Joanna is my unofficial mentor? What did you take from that? I took so much. Also, personally, I just like to say I'm going back over my business model. But whatever you want to do, as Joanna says, it takes time. You have to start somewhere and you just have to try. But I cannot recommend enough finding your own unofficial mentor. Joanna has helped me and so many others such a lot. She is truly changing lives. And whatever you're thinking about doing, I'm sure there's someone who is doing some incredible work which will help you too. Now, you can find out much more about Joanna and see all her brilliant books at thecreativepen.com. That's double N for pen. You can keep up to date with me at elliebarkerwrites.com. This is the last in this series and what a way to end, but I'll be back very soon. In the meantime, go on, find your mentor. Speak soon. <laughs>